Welcome to The Kitchen Table, a conversation about faith, music, and culture. Join Shine.fm's ministry director, Brian McIntyre-Utter, and his son, Jake, around the table for this week's chat. Welcome to this week's The Kitchen Table. My name is Brian. And I'm Jake. And this is a father-son show that we do each and every week where we talk about faith issues, we celebrate music, and we also look at a segment we call Culture Shock. If you're new to the program, I am father. And I'm son. And so we started this about a year, almost a year ago now, actually. And uh, we did it with the sole purpose of encouraging others to have those faith conversations. I'm talking about parents and their kids, whether they're uh, you know elementary, middle school, high school, or even young adults, to have faith conversations. I consider this probably my my most important ministry in life is to be able to disciple my own children first. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, I think it's vitally important. We started this because Jake graduated from high school last year, entered college, and fortunately he's nearby and we're able to continue to have these faith conversations across the kitchen table each and every week. And so thank you so much for uh, tuning in this week. We love to talk about faith issues. And if you have one specifically, one of the ways that you can uh, let us know about, if you want us to talk about it, is by going to the shine.fm Facebook page. And we have a thing called the kitchen table group. And just let us know there. We'd love to hear from you. So this week we have a new faith conversation. Of all the Christian disciplines, I'm going to start it off with a question for you. Which Christian discipline comes the hardest for you? The hardest. I'm going to give you some as examples. Yeah. Okay, so prayer, being generous, worship, being silent before God, fasting, keeping the Sabbath holy, reflecting on scriptures. Those are kind of like Christian disciplines. Yeah. I don't know. Fasting's pretty hard for me. I like food. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm just going to put it out there. Okay. All right. Well, I want to throw one I didn't put in that list on purpose and get your thoughts on this. What about humility, Christian humility? I used to struggle with that one, with being in the praise band since I was in sixth grade. Because you were up in front, in front of everybody? I was on stage playing kit. It took me a while to figure out the true reason of worship and the the true reason of using my talents for God. Um, I was very selfish in the way of it. So yeah, humility has always been a struggle. Well, our culture today, and this is why I want to talk about humility, because uh, we see celebrities, we see politicians, uh, we don't see a lot of humility modeled by visible figures in our culture. And our culture is constantly telling us that we have to build our own self-esteem and think highly of ourselves, which is sort of contrary to the whole concept of what humility is. We're going to start here, okay? Jesus' life defines the nature of what it is to have Christian humility. He laid aside his personal prerogatives. He placed himself at God's disposal without preconditions when God sent his son here Mm -hmm. to earth with the plan of dying for us and offering us salvation. And so that is really the example we have of Christian humility. So humility begins first with a sense of surrendering to God in Christ. In Matthew 10, 24, it says, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So a sense of surrender is involved when it comes to humility. Yeah. Now, it's not just being humble to God and surrendering to God. You know, we're supposed to treat our neighbor as ourselves, love our neighbor as ourselves. That's what scripture talks about. Humility is a part of that. When we put aside our own needs for the needs of others, humility is a part of that. Being humble is very hard, especially since we live in a very selfish time, especially like I like to call this the Instagram world. 
Yeah. It's show your best parts of your life. Don't right. show the bad things. Um, Which is, that's social media. And social media is very like, oh, look, this is the best thing that I have. Like, let me show it off. Let me flaunt it. And not really being humble in the fact of like, I don't know, just I love seeing deep emotional posts. Like I literally saw one of my friends post about she was crying, like just a picture of her crying. I don't know. That felt more real than the positive, oh, look what I'm doing posts. Mm-hmm. Humility also asserts truth and not bolsters up our ego, builds up our ego with control, not to triumph in the debate, but humility is service to Christ and love to our adversaries. Love rejoices in the truth, 1 Corinthians 13, 6. Jesus speaking says this, What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light, do not fear. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 says, We do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Christ's sake. So it's not building us up. It's not putting us in first position. Unfortunately, we sort of have celebrity pastors today. They yeah. write books. They speak at conferences, you know, and I think we need to get back to more of what it is to be humble, to be a Christ servant. Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table. We're a father-son podcast talking about faith, music, and culture. Humility knows it's dependent on grace for all-knowing and all-believing. What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did not receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? 1 Corinthians 4, 7. In James 1, 21, it says, In humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save our souls. Humility knows it's fragile. In fact, when we finally realize that we can't control anything, that should humble us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we recently took a, a trip this week, and we were on an airplane, and I have no problem sleeping on airplanes. You do. You can't sleep on an airplane. I slept the whole way back, I did sleep a little bit on the way back. The reason that I can sleep on a plane is because I don't have control over anything, and I'm finally able to relax. Yeah, I remember you talking about this. And so humility is basically us coming to that realization that we can't control anything. We like to think that we're in control. You know, we make plans. Mm -hmm. We write out our lists. We book our flights, mark our calendars, but we can't control a single thing. James 4, 13 through 15 says, Now come you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Christian humility. So the question is, how do we do this? How do we practice humility as a follower of Christ? Any ideas? I have a few, but I wanted to see if you have any. For me, probably with being on the ministry team, that's, I mean, that's kind of the, one it, of the biggest ways I put know. Put in your frame of reference. Yeah. That's fine. Um, someone once told me that as worship leaders on stage, we aren't performing. Right. What well, we are performing for one person. What I heard one time was we're a mirror. And when you angle a mirror in just the right frame, it connects God to the people. Mm-hmm. That is one of the biggest things that I've been working on because I just, I got a job working for the school in a ministry team. And so that's why I'm truly, really trying to get this humility thing down because it's easy for worship teams and worship leaders to get the performance aspect. Mm-hmm. They're trained musicians, they know how to perform, but we're performing for God, not for people. And there's a difference there. And there, you have to find the good balance of is this performing for God, performing for one audience? Our church goes audience of one. Pastor Ken always talks about that. And so are we doing it for the audience of one or are we doing it for the people? 
I was at an event years ago when uh, Michael W. Smith, of course, Christian pop artist for many years, and this was when his first worship album was coming out. He'd done pop music. He, yeah. he had some crossover hits in the mainstream music, and uh, he put out this worship album, and, and he was leading worship at this event. And so he actually said, you know what? If I had my way, I would close this curtain, yeah. and I would play from behind this curtain because it's not about me. And that's what it's all about. It's about humility. So how do we practice it? How do we put this into practice? How do we become more humble? Because let's face it, this is a Christian discipline that's tough. Mm-hmm. Number one, we need to accept that we need to practice this, that it doesn't come yeah. naturally to us. If we want to become humble, we must practice humility each day. So we have to start with the elements that are already in our lives daily. A friend tells me she began to grow in Christian humility the day she chose to accept whatever seat an airline assigned her. Hmm. Another friend, an introvert, said that his journey towards humility began when he decided to enjoy strangers who interrupted his routine. Hmm. That's tough for an introvert. It is. So we have to accept that we need to practice this, and it takes work. Jesus rejects three forms of power, economic, political, and self-promotion. So the longer we practice Christian humility, the more we recognize that there are a variety of ways in which power is a temptation in itself. And when we reject power in the form of humility, we choose Jesus, the way of Jesus. Hmm. We need to make and keep a few good friends. Now, we've talked about this in previous episodes about friends and why friendships matter. Uh, But really, none of us can practice Christian humility on our own. We need the help of a few good friends. They know us well. They dare to confront us. You need a a handful of long-term friends that are willingly to keep you honest in regards to humility. Accountability. Sure, accountability in this, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table. We're a father-son podcast talking about faith, music, and culture. Uh, Another part of practicing humility is we need to focus on Jesus. Now, I know that sounds real simple, doesn't it? But it's not. We live in a time today that is characterized by partisan politics— that typically incite and value division, hatred, and power plays. To truly practice Christian humility, we must tune out politics. And that's something we never talk about on this show. It's something we never talk about it on Shine. We've chosen to do that on purpose. We need to seek instead to hear, to see, and to learn from Jesus as it's revealed in the Gospels. So focus on Jesus. And the final thing we need to do to practice or to yeah, practice Christian humility is we need to pray. Mm-hmm. You know, the longer we try to practice humility, the more we realize the limits of our own wisdom, courage, and strength. Prayer keeps us in touch with God who provides the resources in our quest to become humble. So why is it important for us to be humble? Well, the world's not that way. You know, uh, if, if I'm just humble all the time, maybe they're just going to walk all over me, right? Is that yeah. what you're possibly thinking? Why is it important? There's many reasons. Jesus did it. Well, yeah, he's our example for sure. But when we look at scripture, 1 Peter 5, 6, to enter God's presence, we must come humbly to the throne. Now, we've already talked about surrender, Mm -hmm. but to enter his presence, we have to come humbly. Yeah. Matthew 5, 5 says, God says the meek shall inherit the earth. What is meek? Meek is humble, humility. James 4, 10, the proud are cast down and will be humbled. Hmm. Some of the biggest downfalls throughout world history have come from pride. You know, we served as missionaries Mm -hmm. for many years in a country that that I think one of their biggest downfalls is their pride. Yeah. 
And I see that happening here in our own culture. I don't see a lot of humility modeled by people. 2 Timothy 2, 12, when we are humbled or even when we suffer, we need to remember we will ultimately reign with Christ. So in those moments where you're trying to practice it and it's very difficult and you feel like it's not fair, that's a good verse to go back on. We need to remember we will ultimately reign with Christ. Philippians 2, 5 through 11, Jesus even humbled himself. Therefore, we should also have the mind of humility. He is our example. So again, why do we pursue humility? We are limited in our self-knowledge. One philosopher said, know thyself. We can know a lot about ourselves, yet there is much we don't know. We can't fully know our own hearts and motives. We can't fully know our own weaknesses. A lot of times we're blinded to them and the sins even in our own life. We need brothers and sisters to help us. That's another thing because they throw the uh, verse around all the time. Am I my brother's keeper? Yeah. Or you're judging me. But the fact of the matter is scripture talks about how we keep each other accountable. And humility is a part of that. I love you so much that I'm going to humbly come to you and say, hey, I see you doing this. I think this is wrong. I want you to be better. I want us to be better. It's all in your approach. Yeah. A humble person receives correction because he knows he is limited in self-knowledge. Pride has terrible consequences, whereas humility brings blessing. Proverbs 18.12 says, Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. I don't know about you, but I would rather receive honor than destruction. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to guard myself against my own pride. It's always there lurking inside of me. We've already talked about James 4, 6, where it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, I don't like it when people oppose me, when they come up against me. Do you like it? No. But do you really want God to oppose you? That would be like the worst of it all. Yeah. So a really good reason to be humble. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom, Proverbs eleven two. Destruction, whatever is the opposite of God, disgrace, pride has serious consequences. Another thing about humility, humility will keep us from sin. A humble person knows he has fallen in the past in many ways and is capable of any sin. A humble person knows that if God doesn't deliver him from temptation and evil, he is helpless to stand against it. A humble person doesn't think that he is strong enough to expose himself to sin and not be affected, so he flees temptation. A humble person knows that God is working in him and he isn't perfect. Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table. We're a father-son podcast talking about faith, music, and culture. So again, humility, we need to pray for it. Now, this might seem like an obvious thing, but it's a great place to start. We can simply ask God, who gives us all good gifts. He wants to bless us with humility because having a humble and teachable spirit allows us to experience more of what he is offering us. We also need, and this is an important one, we need to support leaders who value humility. Yeah. Now, it's easy for a leader, a person in authority, to be anything but humble. We see it each and every day on the television, and even within Christendom. But there are good leaders out there who demonstrate humility. Seek these leaders out. Learn from how they submit their leadership and authority to God. And if you have access to one where they can become a mentor to you, even better. What an incredible mentor to have who can demonstrate to you humility from a leadership position. You need to visualize your worst enemy at the cross. Not on the cross, at the cross. It's hard to stay bitter at someone if you're praying for that person, right? Yep. 
Well, the same goes for, for seeing someone you may dislike, you may disagree with, in the same place as you in the need of forgiveness, in the need of Christ. Mm-hmm. We are all at the same level at the foot of the cross. You heard that phrase before? Yep. So it's hard to be prideful when you realize that every human being is a sinner and in need of grace. This is also where you develop compassion. Compassion is very much connected to humility. Read through the Gospel of Luke and use a highlighter. The Holy Spirit is ready to speak to us when we dive into God's Word. Pay attention to how Jesus lived out his humanity in a humble way. Even though, remember, Jesus is fully God. The Gospel of Luke is rich with things we can learn and apply to our own lives about how Jesus interacted with people and what and how he taught them. This is a big one. Weed out media that negatively affects the way you act, social media included. Social media has a tendency to make us envious, Mm. snarky, prideful. It's important to recognize when an app or a website we frequent is having a negative impact on us and developing a very un-Christ-like quality in our life. Yeah. So if this happens, it may be time to step back. You know, we started Lent last week. Step back and take a break from social media. So again, we, we cultivate, we practice, we learn, we grow in this thing called humility vitally important. And I I think it's something that we don't talk about a lot, but it's something that Jesus talked about a lot and he modeled it for us. Yeah. So I think that's important. Being humble is so hard in this world today. And like, I'm just trying to think of what is the first step I can take to become more humble. And it's just like, it's hard for you to grasp. It is. It's hard for your generation to grasp. It's hard for my generation to grasp. Because let's face it, the very nature of humility is counterintuitive to our culture's values. Yeah. Our society today applauds independence, fame, success, and well, self-reliance. it's like the whole uh, pull yourself up from your bootstraps. Right. And really, that's how the country, the United States, was founded with that attitude. Yeah. I'll close out our faith discussion with this. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. It's this kind of sacrificial attitude and humility that God's word tells us is what we are to live out in our relationships with each other. Humility matters. That wraps up our faith conversation for today. And now we're going to move into a segment we call Music Matters. Music Matters. We jump into this amazing discussion of music because Dad and I are both music people. Dad does his new song. I bring my new song. And then Dad has always raised me up on his old iPod. I got Sticks. I got Boston. I got Striper. I got all the good stuff. So we wanted to make a little segment of oldie but goldie. So dad brings up back his old music to, I don't know, throwback Thursday, I guess. Dad, you always go first. Yeah. A new recent song that I found that I really like. You know this band. You've heard of this band, Building 429. Yeah. Play a lot of them on Shine. But uh, they have a new song, which is uh, coming out very shortly. They actually have started their own record company. 
believe it or not. So they'll be bringing out new artists themselves as a band. And so a lot of bands are doing that. Yeah, now. they are. You know, um, it's just the way music's changing yeah. today. And so they're giving uh, new artists the chance to get out there and get their music known. And so this is a new song from Building 429 called Fear No More. And I I always like building 429. They're good. They're a lot of fun to watch, too. Great group of guys. Yeah. Yeah, great group of guys. Okay. Well, my new song is a song that I have currently been obsessed with. Dad is kind of annoyed with is it. Is this the one with the drum beats you're yes, trying to get down? I'm okay. trying to get this drum groove down. It's a friend of mine that I knew from all of that. He used to be the worship leader here at Chaupo, Joey Ramirez. Uh, free plug, Bill. I don't know where it is. It's right here. Boop. Um, but his band of the land, they made music and this is their most recent, I think EP. The song that I chose is called, why should I fear the lyrics in this song are so good because in the beginning of it, it's like, why should I fear? Why should I fear? But then they go through this, this bridge. The second part is God responding. Why do you fear? And it's just very impactful and very deep. So here's a snippet of Why Do I Fear by Of The Land. Those guys are really talented. Really good stuff from them. Yeah, but I've been playing it like all week and so dad's kind of... I've heard it a lot this week. You have heard it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now we're going to go back in time. It's our oldie but goldie. We're going to take a trip back in time to 1997. Two years before I was born. So we spent a lot of time in the 80s, and now we're doing some stuff in the 90s. We'll get back to the 80s eventually. Uh, this gal during the uh, this time period in the late 90s, mid to late 90s, was just like the top female artist in Christian music. Credible singer, credible voice. Uh, your mother loved her music. I don't know who it is yet. Crystal Lewis. Oh. Southern California. Pastor's daughter and uh, put out some great music. Just an incredible, powerful voice. In fact, she's on at that time a big tour that happened was the Big Voices tour, and she's one of those big voices. Mm. But she had the number six song in 1997. Thought I'd share a little bit of that today for you. It's called "Beauty for Ashes." I think I might have heard that before. I am convinced you've heard that before. Because I think I think mom was playing it one if time. If you've got mom's pod, iPod, if you got that I never touched kid, hers. I only yeah. touched yours. That wraps up Music Matters. And now moving into Culture Shock. So in our Culture Shock segment, this is what we do in Culture Shock. We just uh, find out what's going on right now in our culture and just kind of share it a little bit, uh, whether it's a celebrity who's talking about a faith issue or something we've seen that has come out. We think it's important. Well, I found, uh, if you all know who Barna is, Barna is a research group. They do a lot of uh, research of Christian evangelical communities and faith things. They just put out some information, fascinating study that really shows only 25% of Christians live in spiritually vibrant homes. Hmm. Thought this was real interesting. There are three different elements to uh, a person's house 
faith practice, I guess is a good way of putting it. One, it's the spiritual practices defined here as praying every day or two together or reading Bible together. Uh, another thing is spiritual conversations like what we're doing here on this program. That's defined as talking about God together at least weekly. Uh, another thing is hospitality defined as welcoming non-family guests regularly or at least several times a month. It says only 25% of practicing Christians in the United States live in a household where these three elements are practiced. Really? 33% live in homes that regularly follow spiritual practices and spiritual conversations, while 14% live in households that practice only hospitality. What is a spiritually vibrant home look like? That was my question. And so they put out this really great thing that um, shows some of the research. I thought I'd read it to you. That um, a spiritually vibrant household, what makes a spiritually vibrant household? 80% uh, from this research study say, I personally pray to God in the past week. It's a good number. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. 51%, I personally attend a religious small group or Bible study in the past week. I'm assuming that would also include, you know, your traditional Sunday school. Uh, 76% say, I personally read from the Bible in the past week. So let's hold, jump over into another a segment of this, which is interesting. Christian homes, vibrant Christian homes. Only 32% play games daily together. Like board games? I'm assuming that. Or it could be a video game, perhaps? Uh, I think just, board games. It, it just says games. Board games are better. They are. 68% have household meetings. We don't. Well, uh, we don't have like an official. We, yeah, we don't like ha, family know. meeting time. Yeah, we don't do There's that. There's only four of us, so. Only 59% say they share how they're feeling with each other daily. 55% go on walks monthly. 48% will go to the park monthly. Hmm. 76%, a household member talks with me about God's forgiveness. Doesn't give a time frame on that. I'm just, you know. Yeah. 69%, a household member teaches me about traditions. 71%, a household member encourages me to go to church. 73% says a household member sets an example. I don't know if that's good or bad because it's yeah. only 73%. And as I said at the beginning of this program, a huge part of being a parent is discipling your own kids. Yeah. 56% say a close friend visits on a regular basis. 55% say I have deep conversations with close friends. Only 37% say, I ask close friends for help. Wow. I'm not surprised by that, actually. Here's a good positive thing, though. 91% say, I have close friends in my life who feel like family. Yeah. 58% say, I pray with friends who visit. I'm wondering if that's including, like, praying for the meal, if you have them for a meal. Yeah. Mm. So it's interesting. These are some of the ways to make a home spiritually yeah. vibrant. But I think it's important that every family spends fun, quality time together. Yeah. That there is some spiritual coach present in the home, preferably a parent. Yeah. Preferably both parents take the responsibility. That your home welcomes others. We've, we've talked in the past about friendships and how important friendships are. Yeah. Having that small group of really good friends. I think it's better when there's family friends too. Oh, absolutely. Like, like the whole family. Like it's like extended, two families come extended together. family. You know, no, 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 no not the extended family. Like family that the parents, both sets of parents are friends, yeah. and then like the kids are friends. So the immediate family. Yeah, I think extended. And it's like it's well, no, I'm talking about like family friends. Gotcha. Like families that they all get along and like having like that a family is friend with another family. Yeah. Gotcha. We never had that because we moved so many times. Uh, we were in ministry and on the field. So. I know. <laughs> But you do have that. No, yeah, yeah, I get that. You do have that. It's important. Mm -hmm. And extended family, I think, is also vitally important. You know, I thought it was normal that 
extended family got together a few times a year for things. Because when I was a kid growing up, my families were large. My my mom is one of six. My dad is one of five. And they lived fairly, fairly close, close to each other. And so to get together with 40-some cousins was no big deal. We did that. Yeah. And I just thought that was a normal way of doing it. And then once I got to college, it was like, oh, not everyone has that opportunity. Yeah. And I think that plays a lot into your upbringing. Yeah. We need to have members of that spiritually vibrant family that have a personal spirituality. So it's not just family together doing it, but individually we need that. Individually, we need to make sure that not only are we vibrant in our own walk with Christ, but that our children all are as well. In a spiritual vibrant family, we ask for help. When someone has a need within the family, you're open to that. Hey, I need help in this. So really interesting. Yeah. Vibrant homes stand out in that they have meaningful, fun, quality time with both parents. I know that's not necessarily the case for everybody, but a fascinating study from uh, the George Barna group. We can do better. Bottom line. Mm. We can do better. Yeah. Well, that wraps up Culture Shock. Also brings to an end our uh, program this week. Thank you so much for checking out The Kitchen Table. We're so excited that you spent this time with us. Again, if uh, you want to reach out to us, communicate in any way, continue the conversation, or uh, maybe share a faith topic you'd like us to discuss, the easiest way to contact us is by joining our Facebook group, Shine.fm, and then under that is The Kitchen Table group. And you it's can a lot find- of fun. Just search for shine.fm and you'll be able to find our page there and find the group. So thank you so much for listening in and have a wonderful week. We will talk to you next week. Peace out. Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table on the shine.fm podcast network from Olivet Nazarene University. Be sure to subscribe for more content delivered each week on faith, music, and culture.